Hello out there! It's time for the Hockey Minute. Your source for all your hockey news and some opinion. Strap in for the fastest news in the NHL. This episode is proudly brought to you by... Absolutely nobody. We don't have any sponsors. Now here's your hosts, Brandon and Ryan. And here we are. Welcome back to another edition of the Hockey Minute. I am your host, Brandon. With me, as always, my co-host, Ryan. And today we've got a great news blast for you. But first, please give us a rating and subscribe on Apple. And as always, you can follow everything we've been up to on our website, thehockeyminute.com. Well, before we get into our show, let's check in with my co-host, the God King draft guru himself, Ryan. How you doing, man? <laughs> yeah, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, hopefully I'm not uh, out-angling the screen here. I had a lovely workout this afternoon, so uh, if, I'm, if I'm too wide, just let me know. Uh, but <laughs> That's right. I'm good, man. This episode's going to come out on uh, October the 12th, which is Thanksgiving up here in Canada, or as our American listeners will call it, just monday and uh I'm, I'm excited for the long weekend man how are you doing i'm good man i'm really good but i got a little got a little rant i guess to, to to get out here at the start we talked about this a little bit before but so i've been i was on i was on reddit which is always a mistake or often a mistake i mean i met you fine fellows or everybody at the, the cheap shirt productions team there on reddit but other than that it's pretty much always downhill and so i get into a little bit of a discussion over who who the best dead puck era most dynamic goal scorer of the dead puck era was and this person was contending that it had to either be peter forsberg or uh, ziggy palfi and both of those guys are just fine players but i mean it's uh, to me it's 100 percent pavel bure like with a bullet yeah. i don't even think there's much of an argument there and then he just got all snotty with me and it still it left me rattled man it left me <laughs> truly bothered <laughs> that it was like you're on a hockey discussion subreddit and you won't have the conversation around it he's like well dynamic isn't a stat it's just an opinion and it's like no motherfucker dude it means scoring a lot of goals <laughs> that means in all situations you score goals which yeah. is an easy stat to track like it's it's a very very easy thing to, to check up on and I, I i linked the stats and then the guy was nowhere to be found so <laughs> i just i have to, have to leave it out there in the public if, if anybody has any other suggestions for the dead puck era uh, dynamic goal scorers by all means that'll leave them leave them on our instagram or shoot us a message wherever but for my money, it's it's Burry all day. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, Forsberg was never to me was never like a goal scorer, right? He just no. kind of did everything, and then Alfie yeah. never hit fifty. And Burry, I think one year had like fifty goals in like sixty seven games or something crazy. Right, scored sixty twice. Uh, hit six, hit uh, hit sixty twice. So yeah, I know that guy's an idiot. But you know that that kid was probably like. 15 and he was just <laughs> you're getting yeah, all frustrated exactly. <laughs> so some kid in like 10th grade who's supposed to be yeah. studying he's like no nah, man it was Ziggy <laughs> my Paul dad Fee. told me it was Paul Fee. i never saw him play but i heard he was glorious <laughs> yeah you're yeah. right and then you just lost your mind yeah. so he won um, for sure <laughs> all right but let's uh let's let's get into our news blast here we got a ton to get into the the nhl draft happened lots of trades and of course we have a ton of signings in free agency Let's get right into it, man. The, uh, the the draft kicked off. I don't think there's any surprise with uh, Lafreniere going first to the Rangers. Uh, Quinton Byfield went second, which I guess might have been a surprise to some people, although I think he still kind of was kind of earmarked as the, the number two. And then uh, Stutzel went third, which was, I think, the most entertaining pick of the draft when he got to see Alex Trebek come through for Ottawa. I thought that was a nice little touch. Yeah, that was really cool. Um, 
Yeah, it was interesting with Byfield going second. It was, I mean, in this day and age, I guess it doesn't matter. You can just YouTube a kid's highlight reel. But there were all these reports that L.A. didn't never even talk to him. And uh, Hmm. it seemed like they were pretty clear that uh, they were going to be picking Stutzel or or Stutzel. So um, Byfield going second, though, I mean, you think about L.A., right? They got Kopitar and Jeff Carter up the middle, uh, big guys, and Quentin Byfield's like 6'5". Yeah, he's huge. Uh, so that'll be another yeah, it'll be another nice addition for him, uh, or for the Kings, rather. And then Stutzel, like you said, you know, Alex Trebek comes out uh, and picks him. And um, the last uh, German-born player to go third overall uh, just won an Art Ross and a Hart Trophy. So Ottawa's really praying that they get the same type of result from from that young man. Yeah, absolutely. And then, of course, we have uh, Cole Perfetti dropping to the, the Winnipeg Jets, which they're really excited about. It kind of sounds like I've heard some people talking like, well, now now this means Lion A is expendable. <laughs> and we can we can bring in uh, uh, Paul Stasny to, to carry us over until we have Cole Perfetti ready to, to kind of take the reins. But, I mean, that's pretty high praise for an 18-year-old. I'm not sure that I've, I've, uh, I've seen that to be warranted quite yet, but people are pretty high on this kid. Yeah, yeah. I mean, every – yeah, I mean, it was just kind of – as the 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 top ten was starting to dwindle down, people were just freaking out over him. So uh, Winnipeg, I mean, that's you know Washington. I, I'm a Caps fan, obviously. They got Hendricks Lapierre, same thing. That kid just dropped and dropped and dropped. So for Winnipeg yeah. to get Cole Perfetti at tenth, I think is going to be one of the steals of the draft. Um, very next pick, Nashville. They get the elite goaltender prospect in Askarov. And uh, this kid, I mean, there were people saying he'd go top five. And for Nashville, we've talked about it. We had David, David Goldie on the show uh, about a month ago who, who spent some time talking about Pekka Rinne and UC Saros. And now Askarov is uh, the goalie earmarked for the future for them. Uh, does that scare you at all? I mean, that, that defense is already so good. They got a Norris Trophy winner back there. And now they've got, you know, a Thatcher Demko type blue chip prospect that's, that's waiting in the wings. I think it, it could, but it takes so long for goalies to develop. I think they're the the longest kind of development cycle. I mean, you see the rare Tristan Jari or Matt Murray, Mark Andre Fleury. Funny, those are all Pittsburgh guys, but uh, I mean, it's rare for a goalie to come in and kind of dominate right away. I think it's going to be near the tail end of the Canucks window by the time we actually see this kid kind of dressing up and being successful. So, I mean, I think the window is ending next year for the Canucks. So we'll, we'll talk later. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> But it's, it's, it's I'd be nervous as a Nashville fan, kind of seeing uh, a goalie taken in the first round. It's like it's pretty rare now, unless you're really, really confident that guy's going to be able to carry your team. Usually, it's a second or third round where the goalies seem to get snatched up. Yeah, I mean that was the longest, or for the longest time, that's what people thought, right? But Spencer Knight was picked in the first round last year. Yeah, it's true. And yeah. uh, I think if you're good enough, like. You just take the best player available, and it just happened that for Nashville, that's, I mean, that's a, a position that they need to probably fill. Mm-hmm. And I know Carolina fans were were just devastated when Askarov was was picked by Nashville, but I, I don't know. I, I'm I've always been a believer in the top fifteen picks. Like you just take whoever's available, and I mean at, at that point, if you got to trade the guy later, you you trade him, right? We've seen teams do that in the past too, but yeah, I, I like the pick myself, and it just. You know, that central division just keeps getting uh, better and better. Da- uh, New Jersey Devils, man. Uh, Brandon, you've, you're a resident KHL pronunciation guy. Oh, yeah. And uh, when, I saw, when I saw this name, <laughs> I texted my cousin who's a Devils fan. I said, dude, who the hell is Shakir Muk- 
Mukamadulin. 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 Oh, God. It's going to take me a few cracks at that one for oh. sure. Mukamadulin. Yeah, man. He's got absolutely the name of the draft. Hopefully he can play like uh, his letters can wrap around his jersey. I mean, the team nickname for him has got to be Tupac. But... <laughs> yeah. Right. It's better than Mucky, I guess, but it's, it's probably going to be something <laughs> like that. Mucker. Mucky. <laughs> Yeah, they're not the most creative for the most part. Uh, okay, uh, Columbus goes off the board with Yegor Chinnikov, uh, which is an overage player who had no highlight package, and the Sportsnet guys didn't even know what to say about him. It's funny, I saw Bob McKenzie kind of vamp for about a minute talking about him without saying anything, <laughs> and I thought, man, that guy's a pro, because if I didn't know that he didn't know, he would never know. He's just like, he managed oh. to make it sound like he's... You know, he could take our job in a heartbeat, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. If you were watching the Sportsnet coverage up here in Canada, like, it literally, it was like, they panned back. Sam Cosentino, who is the draft guru for mm-hmm. Sportsnet, he was kind of sitting there like, and then they, they flicked over. Brian Burke just sat there very stoically, said he's a right winger from Russia, and then just left at that. Uh, and then um, Mike Fuda, who is has been helping out with Sportsnet, I don't know if he's hired there full-time, they go back to him, and he's flipping papers on live television like, holy shit, who is this kid? Uh, they had no no package yeah. uh, of highlights. And, I mean, I didn't even realize this, but, yeah, he's a he's a 2001 born. So he – and he's he's February 2001. It's not like he was a late birthday in 01. Yeah. So he was draft eligible last year and uh, did not get picked at all, and now he's a first-rounder this year. So – Yarmo Kekalainen loves to do things that, you know, I mean, he's he's got balls of steel and he'll do things that other GMs may be afraid to do. Yeah. I think in this case, you got to trust that whatever he's doing, uh, there must be a plan. They must see something in this kid that nobody else does because he was even ranked as like the 150th best skater in this draft and, uh, you know, was like number 39 in European skaters too. So yeah, pretty wild. And, uh, I mean, the best story of the draft, Brandon, Ozzy Weisblatt, if you guys haven't seen the clip, go look it up. Uh, Doug Wilson Jr. made the pick, 31st overall, and uh, used sign language to pick mm-hmm. Ozzy and, and a man. I mean, um, I don't know if I'm just getting older and softer in my, my years here, but I saw that. <laughs> yes, you are. I, I saw that, and I, I was really touched by the fact that, you know, I mean, the, the cool thing about this draft was that it was all done on a giant Zoom call with all these prospects. And when it panned over to Ozzy uh, and his mom and, and everybody, uh, was f- just flipping out in the living room. And, and uh, I don't know, what were your thoughts? I know you're, you're, a, you're a dad, so that must have been even more kind of touching uh, if you put yourself in that position as a parent. Yeah, man, it's it's definitely neat. I love seeing those little touches, and it just shows the kind of care and uh, heart that some of these organizations have. Even though they're big business, they still find a way to kind of make it special for the guys because they know it's it's you know it's a moment that they're never going to forget for them and their families for all the work they put in. So yeah, man, I thought uh, it was it was absolutely touching. Yeah, my only complaint about this draft, and I've said this now for months, I really wish they did some kind of like a Tinder type, have the GMs swiping through. You know, preload everyone into an app and uh, and do it that way. And they didn't do that. Um, That's just the the platform you're the most familiar with. Yeah, NHL missed out. They could have really uh, <laughs> they they could have had some entertainment with that. I mean, can you imagine some kids watching the draft on TV? Sees his name pop up and the GM swipes left, or he's like, "Oh my god, <laughs> devastated!" Right? Oh, just heartbreak all day. 
All right, so we have we have uh, quite a few trades to, to to get into, and I mean, I don't think there's as many as that we've seen on other days, but at the same time, there's still some pretty big ones. I mean, the first one I think we should get into is Max Domi was traded for Josh Anderson, and uh, I think that that was a huge surprise to a lot of people that were in the you know that are Habs fans, but maybe they they don't necessarily appreciate how good Josh Anderson actually is. But uh, Domi then signs a two year five point three million dollar AEV in Columbus, which is huge, I thought, for Domi. And then Anderson won one ups him for a <laughs> seven year deal in Montreal for five point five million AEV. So both of those guys are getting paid. They're playing obviously different roles. I think Josh Anderson's gonna turn out to be an absolute stud for Montreal, but there's definitely a lot of hand wringing going on in that fan base. Yeah. Uh I mean, you and I have talked about this in the past. Max Domi had 72 points his first year in Montreal. Yeah. And and people were thinking, oh, my, you know, he's finally hitting his stride. Like, he's only really been in the league. This is, he just finished up his fifth full season, yeah. right? Kind of seems like he's been around longer. But, I mean, the, he gets traded. And, and, yeah, I mean, he had that ominous quote about how he wasn't going to discuss his relationship with Claude Julien. So Montreal, the fan base seems to be kind of freaking out over this trade, but I, I honestly think he's going to fit in really well in Columbus. I don't think he would have fit in too well in Montreal moving forward. Yeah. And Josh Anderson, meanwhile, like you said, he comes in, signs seven years, which you're, you're kind of banking on him being a 25 goal scorer like he was a couple seasons ago. Yeah. But, I mean, Josh Anderson is, is Tom Wilson. You know, every team would love to have a Tom Wilson, mm-hmm. and Montreal just got theirs because Anderson uh, has battled some injuries uh, injury issues, I should say, but he's there for the long haul, man. And he had a quote today that said he's fully healthy. So buckle up Montreal fans. Cause, uh, that's the kind of guy that you need in that division to go up against the Bruins. And, yeah. you know, now the senators are getting bigger too. The only thing that would kind of concern me as a Habs fan is, you know, a little bit of an injury history. And then he's 26 years old now. And, um, when he was born May 7th, so he's going to be turning 27 kind of mid this season, mid his first season of seven years. So let's say he's 33, 34 when he's finishing up, and that could be tough for power forwards to kind of still be effective in those years. So they might be kind of regretting years five to seven, but I think they've, uh, they have they see their window as being the next few years anyway with Shea Weber and Carey Price being kind of on the, the wrong side of 30. So um, I imagine this is just kind of a gamble and, and uh, the hell with the future. Yeah, and I mean 5.5 mil, that's not like the worst contract if you had to move it. And if you had to buy him out too, right? I mean, he's playing for Montreal, so Jeff Molson is uh, has got deep pockets, right? I, I don't really see yeah. this as being. I mean, it's a it's a risk in the sense that it's a lot of term. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But if this was a two or three year deal, I don't think anyone no. would really be screaming about it as much. No, exactly. You could even two like a little bit of a higher AAV, but obviously uh, he wanted the the kind of kind of security, and you can't can't blame him at all. I mean, I guess the only kind of benefit you can think for the Habs is that if the cap starts to go up again and he manages to perform, he's going to be quite the bargain yeah. eventually, right? Um, Matt Murray uh, traded from Pittsburgh to Ottawa for John Gruden and a second rounder, and then promptly Matt Murray signs a four-year, $25 million deal. Man. Two-time Stanley Cup winner, Brandon, before you say anything. <laughs> yeah. Two Stanley Cups. That's right. Yeah, I mean... Do you think he's ever going to bring a cup to Ottawa? I'm not sure if he's ever going to find his, his game again. I, I don't, man, that, this was the weirdest signing for me of this whole kind of last week. It's just, it seemed like, I don't know, man, just the way that goalies were going. Like he, he got more than Robin Lehner, you know, he, he got more than Holtby. <laughs> like, and he's like, a, well, he's younger. 
Yeah, but he's more inconsistent, and like it seems like he's more of a head case. And with goalies are obviously it's such a mental game, and it seems like he kind of lost whatever his edge is that kind of got him that gave him that advantage. And now he's he seems to be struggling to find it again. So maybe he's going to find it in Ottawa. But man, like the fact that they didn't let him play a bit before extending him, you know, like let him see what he was going to bring before they try and roll up the Brinks truck. Just seems weird for uh, for Ottawa. Ottawa, uh, Eugene Melnick, not exactly known for being the <laughs> loosest with the purse string. So well, I, was, I, mean, I was a little bit surprised for Ottawa. Though they just so they just drafted Jake Sanderson, yep. the defenseman, at fifth. They get Stutzel. They got Shabbat there. I mean, the biggest acquisition. Forget Matt Murray. They just traded a fifth for Eric Branson. Oh, there you go. So, <laughs> the most handsome guy in the I league. Yeah. <laughs> Washington's got two Tom Tom Wilson and, and Henrik Lundqvist we'll talk about Lundqvist in a bit here too yeah. but I mean you know the 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 Senators are they're they're stockpiling right Pierre Dorian is that kind of a guy that he you know you've talked about him a, a thousand times you want Dorian to adopt you it sounds working like, on it that that he just uh he's been stockpiling and so yeah. I think that signing Murray again it's four years I mean it's not to me like if they gave him seven then yeah that would be a bit of a head scratcher yeah. but you're right. It, Murray has kind of been a head case. I think that for Ottawa, though, this is them telling their fan base, like, look, the other the other part of this, too, is that they are they don't have a lot of salary. Mm-hmm. They offloaded a bunch of guys. So I feel like this is them, if anything, just chucking in an extra 500000 just to uh, get up to the cap floor a little bit and, and you know, put them over that floor. <laughs> yeah, that's actually funny to note, man. Even with that massive Matt Murray contract, they're still 10 million shy of the floor, dude. Yeah. Like they have a long way to go. So like they could, they could pick up Petrangelo and still have room to go. <laughs> They're like, yeah, we'll, we'll take Petrangelo, Taylor Hall, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, anyone else, anyone else that gets bought out. They're just like, well, take them. Louis Erickson. Oh, please um, fucking please. <laughs> <laughs> um, moving on, man, Nick Benino, uh, yeah. bit of a journeyman at this point. He gets traded to Minnesota for Luke Coonan and picks. Yep. Uh, this is a Minnesota team that just lost Miko Koivu. They just lost Eric Stahl. Yeah. This is a, a centerman that might be number one by default. I thought it was a really good move by Minnesota. I don't think Nick Benino gets the appreciation that he deserves. Man, he's a really smart player. He's always got a stick in the right spot. He's really good positionally. He makes the smart plays. And he can still put up some points. So yeah. I don't know, man. I think that this is exactly what Minnesota needed to find, being kind of a budget team. and. Um, getting a player that can help the help the team transition into their next phase. So yeah, I thought this was an awesome awesome pickup for them. Yeah, yeah, two time Stanley Cup winner too. So he brings a bit of experience at least to a a team that really has been mediocre now for about twenty years. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly for their entire existence, man. I don't think they've ever really had a good run. They battled the Canucks and whatever that was early two thousands in the playoffs quite a few times, and that was kind of the peak of, of Minnesota. All right, so Elias Anderson uh, was traded to L.A. Uh, for a second rounder. Elias Anderson, of course, uh, famous for throwing his medal, his silver medal, into the stands <laughs> at uh, whatever that was, the three years ago, I think, at the World Juniors. World Juniors, yeah. Yeah, and then he was picked up that the draft following that by New York as their first rounder, and uh, they've tra- traded that for a second rounder, which I'm sure has got Matt and Jules, our resident Rangers fans, to be a little bit, little bit chafed about it, but... I mean, what can you do? It seemed like he was never, ever going to play for the Rangers. Something obviously happened there where they weren't working out. So you got to get something for him, and a second rounder is the best they could do. Yeah, I mean, you got to think, too. They just drafted Capo Caco second overall in 2019. They just drafted Lafreniere first overall. Mm-hmm. That I mean, for the young studs, Elias Anderson is 
running out of real estate and opportunity there. So yeah. trading him to LA to get a second rounder for that kid too. I mean, that's a, that's a good deal. I did see a funny clip. It was like Lias Anderson's greatest moment as a Ranger was apparently the season opener. He skates out and he trips over the camera cord <laughs> and just like eats it like in the dark too, because they oh, had the yeah. spotlight on him and then it just kind of started to pan away and he just bails out. So apparently that's uh that's gonna be his most memorable moment uh, as a blue shirt um oh. sticking in the metro man ryan murray longtime columbus blue jacket yeah second overall in 2012 he gets traded to new jersey for a fifth round pick which to me i thought was kind of low yeah because as matt murray is is oftentimes injured but when he plays he's uh he's a pretty steady defenseman were you surprised to see that it was a fifth rounder coming back the other way Ryan Murray, like I, I think you uh, accidentally called him the goalie, but yeah, I, you know I was I was definitely surprised that uh, it just it's such a weird year for all these trades and stuff though, right? It's like the the flat cap. It seems like a lot of these teams are kind of just scrambling to get salary moved out for whatever they can, and all these other teams know that everybody else is is looking for leverage, and so if they, if they feel like somebody that like uh, Columbus needs to get Ryan Murray out, well then they're going to give him the lowest pick they possibly can, so. It's definitely like a, a bit shocking, but I think no more shocking than a lot of these other kind of trades and deals that we see going on. I think it's just, it's been a really bizarre year. It's kind of <laughs> true to 2020, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I just thought that, you know what, this guy, I mean, when he is healthy, he's a pretty solid middle pairing guy. So yeah, seemed a little bit low, but uh, you know what, he's going to go to the Devils and hopefully bring some stability to that blue line. Speaking of a, not a solid middle pairing guy, uh, Eric Goodbranson traded to Ottawa. And uh, I swear, man, because that dude was the high pick, he's just been carrying that through his entire career. Like, he is, we watched him very closely in Vancouver for quite a while, and that dude is not a good hockey player. He's not particularly tough. He doesn't really do much of anything. He fights maybe a couple times a year. He looks kind of mean when he does it, but it's not like that's in his game for the most part. He's not nasty. He's not clearing guys out in front of the net. He really doesn't do anything you want a bottom-bearing guy to do except for be big. He's just, he's a big, handsome, high draft pick that still is, you know, cruising around the league. So he'll be, uh, I'm assuming, on the the bottom pair there in Ottawa. Um, But I, you know... It's instead of being surprised about the fifth for Ryan Murray, I'm kind of surprised they could get a fifth for Good Branson. Like you think it'd be a sixth or a seventh at this point. I mean, listen, we just saw Luke Shen and Zach Bogosian, who were drafted a couple of years prior to Eric Good Branson. Yeah, high picks. Those guys were just picked up to be depth guys that worked out pretty well for a Stanley Cup winner. So Eric Good Branson, I think you're right. I think he's going to be that guy that's going to coast off of being six foot six and 230 pounds. Yeah. Not the greatest skater. Not the most offensively gifted <laughs> no. defenseman. No. But if he can at least just like look intimidating, which, you know, uh, he does a decent job of. I mean, in Anaheim there, he, I mean, Garnet Hathaway hawked a loogie on him earlier this season. But I mean, good Branson, that's that's all he's going to do, right? And and if he can come in and just kind of protect the young players that are on the Ottawa Senators, then I don't know. I mean, I I don't think anyone's expecting him to pop off in Ottawa, but... uh, you're right. He somehow has has managed to just survive, and uh, yeah. I guess when you get drafted behind Taylor Hall and Tyler Sagan, then you're able to kind of strive on reputation here. So, right. Um, this trade actually just happened Saturday afternoon. Nikita Zadorov traded to the Chicago Blackhawks along with Anton Lindholm in exchange. Brandon Sa- Brandon Sod and Dennis. I don't know if it's Gilbert or Gilbert. Either way, those guys going back to Colorado. Now, Zadorov ended up signing his qualifying offer with Chicago. Yeah. So the trade does make sense at that point. But, 
I want to hear your thoughts, man. I mean, those those are two, you know, decent roster players being swapped for each other. Yeah, I don't really, I guess I just don't know enough to be upset. Like, like I'm sure you, you checked out the, the Chicago fans' response, right? It's like, oh man, I can't believe we lost the sod trade three times in a row. <laughs> it's like, I mean... I, I, I kind of get the, the humor angle, but I just, I, I think Nikita Zadorov is just a fine player. Brandon Saad, I mean, he's only 27, but I mean, it seems like they're making moves to get younger in Chicago and they're going to do whatever they can to kind of try and swing the roster around. So I think it makes sense. I mean, uh, I don't know enough about that Denny, Denny Gilbert or whatever, however you, Gilbert, <laughs> I'm not sure how to pronounce his last yeah. name, obviously, but uh, I guess I just haven't seen him enough to know. And that seems to be the real key cog in this deal. So I'm um, going to have to do some more research and uh, look forward to kind of seeing how he plays this next year. Yeah. I mean, your point about uh, Chicago getting younger, I mean, Brandon Saad was drafted 2011. Yeah. Zadorov was drafted in 2012, I think. 2012 or 2013 so yeah. i don't know how much younger they really get yeah. their blue line they did trade olimata we didn't mention that but olimata was traded yeah. so now they bring in zadorov who is a big guy doesn't really do much other than hit and uh, colorado fans were saying that he even stopped doing that this past season as well so hmm. i mean hopefully he turns it around in uh, in chicago yeah. And you're right, Brandon Saad going the other way. I mean, Colorado is in their window, man. They got Nazem Kadri last, last off season. Yeah. They bring in a guy like a solid, you know, middle six winger and Brandon Saad. Yeah. And now, I mean, and Saad, you know, Saad's a penalty killer. He, he does the little things properly in the game too. Mm-hmm. So I think Colorado wins the trade. And I think that it just, you know, is them stockpiling for whenever this next season begins. Yeah, this you know what, it, just when you were talking about Saad being a, a competent middle six winger, it makes me think of the moves that Tampa made last offseason. It's like, okay, well, we were too skilled. We need to kind of shore up as a team. And so they make these small moves that end up being, you know, the key key pieces. And I think Brandon Saad could absolutely be that. He's got the winning pedigree already. So I think that's something they're looking for. Absolutely. All right, so Toronto trades Andreas Janssen to New Jersey for Joey Anderson in a cap dump move. <laughs> I got nothing on that. You know what, man? I th- I thought this was kind of funny, though, because last off season, so prior to the 2019-2020 season, yeah. if, you re- if you remember, there was all this hype because Dubis, after getting taken to the ringers by Matthews and uh, Nylander and Marner, mm-hmm. well, he signed Kasperi Kapanen and Andreas yeah. Janssen to relatively cheap, like, three- or four-year deals. Well, he's just traded both of them. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, good, good going, Kyle. Um, they <laughs> they still have cap issues, so they get rid of Janssen today. Uh, Joey Anderson, I know nothing about him. It's like I said, it's a cap dump. Uh, yeah. There's still this hope in Toronto, and, and granted, at the time of this recording, Taylor Hall and Alex Petrangelo have not signed, mm-hmm. but there is still this hope that somehow Toronto can offload a bunch of salary and bring Petrangelo <laughs> home, which uh, that's a great idea. You know, you, you just want to have. I mean, Petrangelo is worth eight or nine million, even in a oh, flat yeah. cap, and yeah. uh, and so Toronto fans keep keep dreaming. But um, <laughs> yeah, I just thought that was kind of a weird thing because you've got basically the the depth forwards and the secondary scorers, you know, that you need. Uh, they're both gone. So, <laughs> um, last one I'll bring up here, and I actually forgot to put it in the show notes. But Paul Stasny was traded back to Winnipeg. You you said it a little bit earlier, and it reminded me that he was traded back to Winnipeg. So. Yeah. Vegas, uh, Vegas shedding some salary as well, and Vegas picks up Carl Dahlstrom and a fourth round pick in 2022. So pure cap dump move there. Yeah, Stasny going back to Winnipeg, man. I mean, 
what are your thoughts there? They got Shifley and, and now Stastny up the middle because Brian Little, from the sounds of it, is done. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think Stastny is a really underrated player. I think he's uh, he does a lot of the things that Winnipeg is looking for, so I don't know. I, I think it, it makes perfect sense to, to get him back. And um, Yeah, I mean, I, I don't I don't really have too much to say, but other than I think that the Winnipeg fans should probably be pretty happy to have him back. He's a smart veteran, so I think it'll go a long way for kind of pushing the team forward and not forcing Absolutely. Uh, players to play too much up the lineup, right? Yeah, the last transaction, this wasn't a trade, but Justin Williams retires uh, officially. Again. He kind of was... Yeah, he was going to play like every other Tuesday last season, but he decides now he's going to retire for sure. So great career, uh, Conn Smythe winner, uh, three-time Stanley Cup winner, yeah. one with Carolina, two with L.A. So uh, Mr. Game 7 until he came to Washington, and of course the Capitals, I mean, they let everybody down, and <laughs> that was the one Game 7 he couldn't win was with Washington. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sorry, Justin, but uh, I mean, a great career, and and. Uh, you know, hall of slightly above average players, obviously, but uh, yeah, just uh, I mean, he means a lot to Carolina, and that's why I bring it up because uh, the Hurricanes fan base was was uh, very upset to see him go, but they understand that he's a graybeard at this stage. Do you think he's really retired though, or is he going to pull a share reunion tour when it comes <laughs> close to the playoffs again for Carolina next year? Yeah. You remember when Scott Niedermeyer was doing this in Anaheim like 10 years ago yeah. too, where he was like, yeah, he's like, I might, I might retire. And then he was like, oh, maybe, you know, it was like all the jokes came out, like maybe he'll only play home games or, <laughs> you know, just like, <laughs> just like bananas. But uh, no, I mean, when you're done, you're done, man. Just yeah. go spend time with your family and, and enjoy your life. Not to get too off, off track here, but I know you're a big NBA fan. <clears throat> Do you think we're ever going to see the kind of load management that we see in the NBA come into the NHL? I hope not. I, I don't think that we'll ever see players do that. Mm-hmm. Like in in hockey, like I I understand why some guys in the NBA do it because it's a different type of uh, schedule, but it's also a different type of like play style, right? Like you, you have guys that'll play forty minutes in a forty eight minute game in, in basketball, right? Um, mm-hmm. Really, only the freaks of nature can do that in hockey, and I, I just don't think that a hockey player with self respect would go to their coach and say, listen, I got this knee issue bothering me. Like, can I play every second game or every third game to mm-hmm. rest up? I think what happens is I think that teams will shut a guy down for mm-hmm. like a month prior to the playoffs and just go heal up and then you'll, you're ready for the playoffs. But yeah. I don't think we'll ever see load. I, I hope we don't because I yeah. think that the players don't want to do that either. No, that's that's probably a good point. I mean, just I, me made me think of Tyler Sagan, right? That what he revealed yeah. like three different lower body injuries at the end of the year, and it's like those guys will play through. It seems like anything as long as they can walk, they're going to play. So yeah, I mean, LeBron gets a hangnail on his big toe, and he's like got to be carried off by four guys. But <laughs> uh, that's what separates uh, hockey players from from the NBA a little bit. There's some tough NBA players, but oh, I'm sure. Uh, I mean, it's just it's it's pretty embarrassing seeing some of those guys flop around. It's like you know, Gregory Campbell blocks a shot and breaks his tibia and still dives in front of more pucks. So he's like, I got two tibias. <laughs> God gave you two legs for a reason, Gregory. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, let's, uh, let's swing her over to free agency. And I mean, we'll, we'll start with the good in, in my mind. I think, uh, in terms of Vancouver stuff anyway, with Braden Holtby signs a two year deal, uh, 8.6 million, 4.3, whatever overall. 
Uh, it's kind of backloaded to make it seem less appealing for Seattle to take him. But, uh, I mean, all that's all the contract stuff aside, I just think it's a really good pickup. He's going to let Demko develop. He's going to challenge Demko in the same way that I think Markstrom challenged him. And I think he's just going to make Demko better. Maybe it'll be a 1A, 1B situation for year one. And then uh, we'll see what happens from there. But I just I think it's it's awesome to get a, a guy like that who can play uh, capable minutes. And, uh, I mean, listening to Kevin Woodley, the goalie guru, talk about Holtby, he was talking about how Washington was the worst team in the whole league last year in terms of giving up high-danger shots. And uh, so Holtby's used to these, like, tire fire, <laughs> you know, complete uh, gong show of, of defense in front of him. And I think that he's going to need to be for what's coming next year for the Canucks. Yeah, you know, as the, the resident Cap, uh, Caps fan on the podcast, I, I think it's a great pickup. I'm excited. Like, I, I'll probably get a jersey. Um, I think it's great. Like you said, he, he's going to challenge Demko. But the nice thing about Braden Holtby is that, you know, yeah, he's he's regressed a little bit. Uh, but he still is a Vesna Stanley Cup champion winning goaltender. And, and I think that for him, he was he's very open that he wants to go uh, work with Ian Clark, who's the Canucks goaltending coach. And I think that'll if that can help him get to even 80% of what he was in Washington when he was in his prime, then the Canucks, their goaltending woes are, are solved. And uh, so I, I really like the move and the fact that, like I said, you get a Vesna winner for $4.3 million a year. Granted, these are unusual circumstances. I don't think that they would have got him that way in yeah. normally, you know, in normal yeah. circumstances. But to get him at a, a relatively low cap hit for two years, I think that's a, that's a huge move by uh, Jet Black Jim Benning. Yeah. Yeah, and he's, I mean, we'll get into some of these other free agent non-signings that he got into a little bit later, but he's certainly been, uh, he's reversing his image, right, of, of overpaying for all these different free agents, and now he's like, no, fuck no, I'm not doing anything. I'm just going to sit here. No, he's not signing anybody <laughs> yeah. now. He's like, ah, no, no, we're letting everybody yeah. walk. Everybody complains when I sign these guys. Can't have um, it both ways. I, I feel like this is, this is a good uh, transition point here. There's so many signings, guys. We're not going to get through every single one that happened, but we'll, we'll cover most of the, yeah. the bigger ones. But, Brandon, a uh, long time ago, there was a team called the Calgary Canucks, <laughs> and here in 2020, Calgary's trying to bring that back. They sign Jacob Markstrom to six years, $36 million. They get Chris Tanna for four years at $18 million, and then they sign Louis Domingue for one year at 700000 uh, this is a team that lost Cam Talbot, and we'll talk about him in a second. But for Calgary, how how you feeling as a Canucks fan seeing your team's MVP, your team's number one shutdown D-man, and uh, your team's chef go to Calgary <laughs> uh, to to a division rival that you're going to see for six six to seven times a year for the next four years at least? Yeah, it's it's a little bit sad on, on man, and like I really I was expecting Markstrom to be gone just with uh, kind of the way it was all playing out. You know, it was either going to be it seemed like they could sign one of Toffoli, Markstrom, or Tanev. Now it obviously seems like nobody <laughs> is coming back. But just just in, in terms of the, the Calgary stuff, I don't know if you've seen it, but I think somebody photoshopped uh, Markstrom and Tanev into Calgary jerseys, into Flames okay. jerseys. It was going around on, on Twitter and social media, and it's just it's jarring. <laughs> it's like it's a little bit gross. It makes you want to throw up a little bit. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't really expect them to go to such uh, uh, close rivals. And now with Markstrom, if he can keep up his play, man, he's going to make them into a really formidable team. And so... I think that uh, there's going to be a big rivalry now between those teams as they both kind of push for the same, you know, as the way the divisions break down. If we get to the playoffs, there's a really good chance they're going to play each other. And so just I'm not ready for that kind of uh, that kind of battle. I, that, I, I can't think of a, another Canucks player 
who's left kind of in the middle of their prime to, to go somewhere else. I mean, Ryan Kessler, but he wasn't in his prime. I mean, he was already kind of tailing off. Yeah. So it's just, it's, it's been a long time since we've had any kind of, uh, rivalry from that so i, I don't know man it, it's it's sad I'm, I'm sad to see tanev go i'm glad he got paid man he got like i think the canucks biggest offer to him was two two years at four million and so he got four and a half by four yeah. from calgary so that's that's a huge huge pay payday for him and i think it just shows how important staying healthy is for the shutdown d right like he was playing 40 50 games a year for years finally puts a full season together and he made millions off it man it's just i'm so happy for him in that way but i just i wish it was in the east yeah i know i expected tanf to go to pittsburgh because they were pretty much tampering right right there couple couple weeks ago and and then same thing with markstrom i really didn't know where he would go uh he seemed like all of a sudden on the day of free agency that it was between calgary and edmonton which i thought he'd be going somewhere else out of the division and uh and all of a sudden that happened so a lot of uh a lot of instagram posts from guys like petterson and besser on the canucks that were just saying thank you to all those guys because uh troy stetcher also was signed by detroit today as well yeah uh, on Saturday and and so in Vancouver there's a lot of guys leaving and it was uh I mean it's it's been a wild ride for free agency for these guys yeah that, I just want to touch on that stature one real quick because I think a lot of Canucks fans are choked that uh, Benning didn't circle back and uh, try and sign Troy Stetcher but he, you know he was making I think 2.35 before and so they didn't even qualify him. And then he ends up signing for 1.7 from Detroit. And the yeah. Canucks fans are like, oh, what are you doing? Why didn't you sign him for 1.7? I, I think they're ready to move on, man. Like I, I, if, yeah. if you watch the, the Canucks closely enough this, these last few years, you know their defense is the, the biggest issue. And so things have to change. And you've already got Quinn Hughes, who is obviously a phenomenal defenseman, but he's an undersized guy. And then so to have two separate pairings with undersized defensemen, even though Setcher plays a, a tougher game, he was getting pushed off the net. He was getting yeah. having a hard time boxing guys out against Vegas. It's just it's it's a natural problem with being five eight or five nine or whatever he is, right? It's just a difficulty to play that position. So um, I'm happy for him. I'm glad he went to his spot, but I think it's pretty telling that he took you know, 20% less than his last contract to play for the worst team in the league. Like, even though some teams were looking for him, I don't think that uh, he's as good as Canucks fans maybe see him as. No, but you know what? That's a smart move in a way because if he can play half decent on that terrible Detroit Mm -hmm. team, then two years from now, he's going to get a nice pay hike. So he's either, or uh, or else he's going to suck and he'll be out of the league because Detroit is not going to be good. Right. He might be paired with Alex Biega, so (laughs) hard to say. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, moving on uh, to my favorite team, uh, the King, Henrik Lundqvist. This is weird even as a Caps fan who's acquiring this player. Right, right. Henrik Lundqvist is not a guy that I ever wanted to see out of the Rangers jersey. Um, yep. He obviously comes to a team full of Russians, so he makes the team much more handsome in one shot. But this uh, this is a weird one, man. And I, I thought, you know, in my mind, I was like, oh, he's going to sign one year at like 1.85 or something. Yeah. Uh, Capitals get him at 1.5. So if he's still hungry to compete and he's still able to compete at a somewhat elite level, I like the deal. Yeah. Uh, similar to Braden Holtby going to, you know, help Demko out. Lundqvist is going to help Samsonov out. And I think that with a combination of Peter Laviolette coming in to light a fire under the asses of the Washington Capitals, and now you're playing for you know that that legacy guy, right? You remember Chicago in 2015? They they acquired Kimo Timonen. Mm-hmm. Most of that team had already won a cup or two cups by that point, 
And they were like, we got to win it for Kimo. This is his last season. He's made that very clear. And I think for Lundqvist, it's going to be the same thing. And and so, uh, you know, it's it's a weird Metro bromance right now because a lot of Rangers fans are like, oh, win it, win it for Henrik, win it for Henrik. So <laughs> right, right. it feels weird. But, uh, yeah, I, I like the deal, though. And, and like I said, he might I, – I mean, I'm just waiting for all the stupid jokes about – Caps legend Henrik Lundqvist. Ha ha. Oh yeah, yeah, it's coming. But I, mean, I, I think you're right. Like I think I said, to see you in a text once we found out. But I, I could, I could totally see the Caps winning a cup now with with Laviolette's track record for kind of taking good on paper teams to 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 heights and and kind of pushing for Henrik Lundqvist. I could really see that being kind of a winning combo for next year. So yeah, I'm stoked for you. Yeah. Um, Cam Talbot, dude, this was, this was a weird one to me. He goes to Minnesota for three years, 11 mm-hmm. million. And this is a guy that was making like pennies in Edmonton and Calgary. Yeah. <laughs> and Minnie goes out and uh, we didn't even mention that Minnie traded Devin Dubnik. I missed that in my show notes, but uh, so yeah, Minnie was without a starting goaltender. So is Cam Talbot now? Is he a, a an eleven million dollar starting goaltender for you in your mind? I don't know what what was the problem with Dubnik. I don't understand why they got rid of him. Like I know he had a bit of a down year, but I thought they were saying that was kind of due to some home issues and some other stuff going on. And I, I mean, he was such a good goalie for them for for quite a while. I'm just I, I'm shocked. And then to think that Cam Talbot's going to be the savior. I, I think you're right, man. I think that's a real bizarre signing. I think Billy G is just yeah. cleaning house, honestly. Right? I mean, he just let their captain in the face of their franchise walk. So yeah, I just think the the term was like kind of a weird yeah. thing too. Like three years. I mean. It's not extreme, but it just seemed a little bit strange to me that they, they pick up Cam Talbot. So Kyle Turris uh, went to Edmonton for two years at $3.3 million after being bought out. And that's a pretty high salary for somebody that just got bought out. Usually you kind of see him in the $1 to $2 million range. Usually you can kind of convince them to take a lower deal because they're still getting paid. But I think that goes to show the value that Kyle Turris still had around the league. I think that people still, still wanted him. Well, that's... Sorry, that's that's three point three over two years. Though. Oh, okay. So sorry. Then I'm we'll, we'll cut that out. I was right. Yeah, yeah. Usually it's yeah. one to two. So you're you're right okay. though. It is. He's like a one point oh, yeah. seven five kind of thing, and he's also getting paid. What is he getting paid? <laughs> right, two right, million right. for the yeah. next eight years from Nashville. Yeah, so a good deal. I want to get uh, fired, but still get paid for twice the length of my contract. Yeah, I mean, you, can you imagine? <laughs> Oh, can you? Yeah, well, that's what I mean, right? For some of these guys, for Kyle Turris, he's probably just like, hey, I want to go and have fun and, and, you know, maybe play hockey with, you know, two of the best players in the world. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't really need to, he's already made like 30 plus million in his career, anyways. Yeah. So the fact is, yeah, if I was getting paid two million to not play for a team, <laughs> I'd sign for cheap somewhere else and, and save some salary on their end so that they can be competitive. Yeah. But I think it's a good signing because now it, it helps. Uh, the center depth and Ryan Nugent Hopkins can maybe jump over to the wing. Exactly. And uh, I, I just like the move for for Edmonton. I think this is a veteran guy who's hungry and he wants to win. So he's coming in at the right time. Yeah, it's a great, exactly what you said. I think it's a perfect pickup to spell off uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins because they, they had Ryan Nugent Hopkins up on that top line for quite a while and then it just leaves them with a disastrous third line. Yeah. So. Now it, it really is going to help them. I mean, they still don't have a number one D, especially with Clefbaum kind of looking like he's going to be out for quite a while. Yeah, and I, th- I don't think I don't think Darnell Nurse is really turning out to be the defenseman that they were hoping that he would be. It seems like he hasn't managed to to kind of turn the corner into being a true number one. So they're going to be struggling to find that still. I mean, maybe they'll see Petro go there. I don't think they have the room. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. It, it seems like they they're still kind of looking for the same thing a, a lot of teams are though. They need that that true number one. All right. So Anton Hudobin. 
to the Dallas Stars. I mean, he re-signs, I guess, with the Dallas Stars. Three years, $10 million. I think that's more than worth it, man, after the performance that he put up in the playoffs. I think that he kind of showed that uh, he can he can be a very valuable member of the team. I think Ben Bishop is still obviously going to be their starter. So that's a little bit expensive, I think, for a backup. But for a guy that can do what he can do, I don't know. I, I see the value. Yeah, I mean, once you have a cup run, I think that pretty much earns you a little bit of a little bit extra money. Yeah. Uh, and I think Dallas is just trying to keep their team together, right? I mean, because he, Ben Bishop, as you said, he's the starter, but he's he's hurt quite a mm-hmm. bit. So at least this way, you know, you've got a competent 1B. And I still don't think that Kudobin is the kind of guy that can win you a cup on his own. But if Dallas takes, you know, some more strides to get better and, and more experience, then he's the perfect kind of, you know, uh, in a case of emergency break glass solution in case Ben Bishop goes down. So I like the move. Kevin Shattenkirk just won a Stanley cup. This is a guy, by the way, Kevin Shattenkirk, I never really liked him or disliked him, but you think about this, he was on St. Louis, gets traded to Washington, leaves this, the off season prior to Washington winning the cup. The very next year, St. Louis, his longtime team Mm -hmm. wins the Stanley cup. He gets bought out by the Rangers signs in Tampa for cheap, plays a has a pretty good cup run he ends up winning a cup and now he signs a three-year deal in anaheim for 11.7 million uh brandon this is a division rival for your for your canucks uh are you are you worried at all with guys like cam fowler and you know hampus lindholm in anaheim and now they're getting chatting no i think anaheim's got a good prospect pool but i think they're a few years away from being anything really spectacular i think kevin Chattenkirk. You were just talking about him signing a good deal before with Tampa, and it's like I think he's been maybe except for that one, he's been pretty much overpaid at every single one of his stops. Like, just yeah. he's just, and it's true again. I don't think he's worth the contract that he just signed. That I really don't. So, <laughs> um, good for him, man. I was always happy to see a guy get paid, but I'm just, I, I'm continually surprised to see how the league values certain players as opposed to kind of how the perception of them is. Right? It just seems like Shattenkirk is always being paid for more than he is and more than he can be. So. Not really worried about him doing anything special for for Anaheim, but uh, I don't know. I, I think I'm happy for him, I guess. I mean, <laughs> nice to see a guy get paid. So, longtime Senator Mark Borowiecki. Borowiecki? <laughs> Borowiecki? It's like Bor- Borowiecki, dude. Borowiecki? Bertuzzi? <laughs> Mark, is it is it Borowiecki? I don't really don't know. Bor- Bo- it's like, it's like Bor- Bor- Borowiecki. It's like uh, Polish or something. Bo- like Mark Borokop. There we go. Borough Cup. Yeah. Borough Cup goes to Nashville. VPD, honorary VPD. Uh. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Oh, man. So for anyone that, that, that doesn't know, he basically stopped a robbery when he was just out walking around Vancouver and uh, wrestled the guy to the ground, said that he didn't want to crush him to death because he knew that he could, and then he let let the cops kind of come in and take over. So, yeah, he's doing a better job than uh, a lot of other people out there for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, he's he's off to Nashville. Two years, four million dollars. I'm actually really surprised that the the Senators couldn't make him that kind of an offer. Yeah. It seems like he's one of these kind of late bloomers, and it seems like a real heart and soul guy for that team. So, despite the fact that I can't say his name, I do understand his value, and uh, I'm surprised that they let him go. Yeah, me too. I, I think honestly, I mean, it's a nice little payday for a bottom pairing guy who, as far as hockey goes, he's definitely not the most skilled, but. He's a heart and soul yeah. guy, and he's he's a guy that you know loves Ottawa or loved Ottawa. So uh, for Nashville, they bring him in. He's going to be a nice, you know, six or seven D man, and and 
Nashville, but I, I didn't really understand why Ottawa will let him walk. But, uh, you know, you just mentioned Chat and Kirk getting paid. You love seeing that. Well, to see a heart and soul guy get paid a couple mil uh, a season for the next two years, yep. got to love that too. So too bad for, for Ottawa fans. So. Uh, Jack Johnson, man, he gets bought out by Pittsburgh, and then he goes, signs with the Rangers for one year at $1 million. Yeah. This is like... This isn't really. This makes the list for one reason and one reason only. I don't think there's a single person, regardless of Jack Johnson's hockey playing ability, that doesn't want to see him at least just spend the next five, six years while he can still somewhat skate, uh, making as much money as he can after his parents screwed him yep. over. So I like the I like the deal strictly for that, uh, and also because it hurts a, a divisional rival uh by by putting that guy in the roster but uh i mean you know one year one mil i mean it's the weird thing is online the reaction that i saw people were like oh my god what you know why how why would they do this and it's like it's one year for one million it's not like when pittsburgh signed him to five years and 16 million so just pump the brakes, Rangers fans. He's probably only going to see half of the year anyways. Yeah, uh, exactly. And just for anybody that, that doesn't know the story, I mean, uh, Jack Johnson um, had his parents running his finances. And uh, long story short, they, he ended up accusing them of mismanaging his finances for overspending on things like cars, jewelry, extending lines of credit that plunged him into millions of dollars of debt and he eventually claimed bankruptcy. So I think he's he's clear of that kind of fiasco now, and I'm sure he's got different management. But still, I mean, to spend your whole career working towards something, to lose it all, be paying that off for your parents' shitty decisions, it's just, man, I just I can't imagine that that feeling. How do you, what a fucking scumbag set of parents that is. But man, just, yeah, my heart goes out to Jack Johnson, and you're right, just happy to see him get paid and keep going. Uh, Justin Schultz. Schultzy. For some reason, the uh, the reclaimed Pittsburgh Penguin, the, the defensive project that was quite successful for the Penguins, uh, was successful no more. So the, the new reclamation project is for the, the Washington Capitals. Two years, eight million bucks, so four million a year. That's a, that's a good contract for him. I don't know, man. You're the big Caps fan. You've obviously seen Schultz play a lot. What, what, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, he's a right shot uh, defenseman, and he's he's pretty good offensively moving the puck so i think i like the deal for that factor yeah you know this is this is washington's mo a few years ago brooks orpik and matt niskanen hit the open market washington picked them both up after pittsburgh let them walk and they got a stanley cup out of it so uh justin schultz who yeah i mean when we had nick and nick on from tip of the iceberg they were saying that jim rutherford was pretty openly like wasn't even asked about it and he's like yeah you know schultz needs to be better like <laughs> yeah kind exactly yeah. kind of just trashed him over there. like they're like so how's life in the bubble he's like well it was okay but justin schultz can't play hockey so um i think that you know it's a nice nice pickup for the caps because michael Campney is going to be out six to eight months and so this this wow. shores up the blue line a bit uh toronto man they get they get one defenseman maybe not the premier defenseman but yeah. uh, they signed tj brody to a four-year 20 million dollar contract away from the calgary flames uh tj brody man is left hand shot offensive defenseman not overly physical decent defensively sounds a lot like morgan riley so mm-hmm. i guess they got two of those guys now in toronto <laughs> uh do you like this deal from a leaf standpoint i mean it's a lot of money to invest in a guy on a cash strapped team i still don't know what they're doing in toronto man it's like they you think that Kyle Dubas would look at what Guillaume Brisebois has done for for the Lightning, Julian, and think, isn't it isn't it Guillaume? 
Who's Guillaume Brisebois? Guillaume is a very stereotypical French name, so I see why you went there, but it's actually Julianne Brisebois. Oh, man. Well, but maybe I'm thinking about there's a, the, the Canucks prospect, uh, Brisebois. Maybe he's Guillaume. I'm, 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 I'm trying to blank anyway. You might just be making up names anyways. I have no idea. I think I am. So. I've been doing it this whole episode, and you just noticed we're 52 <laughs> minutes in, so <laughs> we're doing okay. But no, what uh, you're right. What Julian Breeze was doing in, in, in Tampa, and it's just for some reason Toronto is making the moves to find more similar players. They're, they're letting guys go that have the grit that they need, and they're bringing in people that do more of the same thing. So I don't know, man. Like yeah, You just touched on it, but I have, I have no idea what they're doing in Toronto. But if I was a Toronto fan, I would be scratching my head at that signing because you're paying you know 20 million over four years for a guy to play behind Morgan Riley so it's like you're just sure he's a good three four but you still need to you're it's the same problem the Canucks have man it's a really weak right side and that they need a solution there and so it's just I don't know man I have no idea what they're doing yeah like Toronto they you know Kyle Dubas keeps talking about how we're gonna get grittier well Kyle Clifford they they let him walk although they haven't shut the door on bringing him back but then they wanted Radko Gudis, who signed in Florida, yeah. uh, which is a right-hand shot, you know, tough defenseman. Like, uh, TJ Brody is, I'd call him more like a pacifist, tougher player. Like, he he takes hits to make plays. Mm-hmm. He's not out there blowing guys up. He's not out there hitting and fighting and that kind of thing. So yeah. it doesn't this doesn't make the team tougher, Just but it's a good skating, puck-moving defenseman. And, and so, yeah, I just, I mean, for $5 million a year, that's a good deal for him, but Toronto is is already cash strapped. Corey Crawford, longtime Chicago Blackhawks goaltender, goes to the New Jersey Devils two years at uh, seven point eight million total. It, this is another one, man. That's just kind of weird to see Corey Crawford in a jersey that's not the Chicago Blackhawks. Yeah, man, totally. And I mean, just listening to him talk, it seems like uh, he grew up being a big fan of. Marty Brodeur, and that was kind of part of the the selling point because Brodeur yeah. is obviously part of their management team now. So managed to bring him in, and I think Corey Crawford's going to be a really good kind of mentor for for Mackenzie Blackwood, right? To kind of let him um, kind of germinate a bit and then work on his game while not having to take the full reins because obviously they just bought Corey Schneider out, so they needed to fill that role somewhere. Yeah, no, you're right. Tory Krug, this is I think the most surprising contract for me. Uh, signs in St. Louis for uh, seven years at forty-five and a half million, and man, that is a pricey contract for a guy that has a real hard time with the defensive side of the game, dude. Uh, so first of all, let's let's do some role playing, okay? You're Alex Petrangelo, you're Tough. an unrestricted free agent. You're sitting there. You got the St. Louis Blues, who have already, you know, they traded for Justin Falk like a year ago now. Kind of weird to think about, eh? It's October. We're talking about free agency in the draft, not the start of an NHL season. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But they trade for Justin Falk, and they promptly sign him to a long-term deal. Yeah. So you've had the whole season to kind of sit there and, and germinate on this, going, hey, I just you captained this team to the first-ever Stanley Cup, and we're trying to get this deal done, and we're, we're trying to work things out, and then all of a sudden... <laughs> Like somebody must have like te- texted him or called him and said, "Hey, they just signed Tory Krug to seven years, forty-five point five million. Like at that point, do you think, okay, I'm not coming back to St. Louis? Oh, you have to. What else could you think, man? I think with that Justin Fault contract, I think he was probably already half thinking that. And then he's thinking, you know, St. Louis hasn't closed the door. Maybe they'll circle back. Then he's like, Tory fucking Krug, <laughs> <laughs> like, what? 
he's like you know i think alex petrangelo is better offensively and defensively yeah. like he's, he's just a, a much better all-around defenseman than tory krug and the fact that st louis prioritized krug over petrangelo just i, I know they're probably still riding high off off of the cup win in st louis but i'd be i'd be fuming at that honestly you know what i saw so many reactions online from people that were saying doug wilson like this this whole thing snuck up on him or not Doug Wilson, sorry, Doug Armstrong, yeah. that this whole thing snuck up on him. And he's the general manager of an NHL team. Nobody could have predicted a pandemic causing a flat cap, but he signed Justin Falk well before all this stuff ever happened. Yeah, And it makes me wonder if he was thinking, I don't, you know, maybe he saw Drew Doughty and Eric Carlson, who were the same age as Alex Petrangelo, Signing for eleven million and thinking, oh my god, what if my what if my guy wants that? Mm-hmm. And you saw how Carlson and Dowdy have have played after signing those contracts. Maybe he he thought, no way, are we going that high? And you know, and now now we're seeing Petrangelo's taking a meeting with the Vegas Golden Knights. It's like, oh well, what happens if he signs there for eight million? Right? Like, yeah. who knows? Right? Because yeah. you think about that, that's one Tory Krug and like one fifth of a Justin Falk contract. <laughs> You could you could have just not got Falk and signed him to that long term deal, and you, you'd have no issues here. But it's really weird. Uh, we should talk about Tory Krug. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, coming into St. Louis, and yeah, man. I mean, power play QB. Uh, he, he gets his lifetime deal here, basically, to play in St. Louis. Um, kind of a Kevin Durant type thing, right? You lose to the you know you lose in the Stanley Cup final to the team that uh, that beat you, and you promptly go sign with them a year later. <laughs> Uh, kind of a weird play by Tory Krug. I think that I saw some some comments, and I, you might like this too. Is that uh, now guys are going to actually have a chance to get him because before Chara was always right there as his bodyguard. <laughs> <laughs> so people were like, "Oh, yeah. how many how many players in the league are like, okay, you know, like yeah, we're going to have our chance to get back at him now." That's funny. I wonder who he was actually paired with because you know they, they had they had Chara with. Uh... What's his name? The the, the stud on Boston, uh, McAvoy. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was Mac. It was I think it was McAvoy and Carlo playing together, and then Krug and Chara were playing together. I could be wrong on this, but either way, I mean, even if it was like, you know, I mean, how many times did we see Tory Krug just like stir something up, and then Chara was right there yeah. to kind of bail oh, him out, right? So for sure, um, what this does for St. Louis, though, it brings just a pure offensive defenseman to a team that's got Colton Pareko and Vince Dunn. Uh, and just, you know, I think that this is a guy that is going to move the puck really well. And yep. again, I, I just think that Doug Armstrong is losing some of the good uh, good karma from the fan base here by signing Krug and, and basically burying Petrangelo. Yeah, oh man, for sure. All right, so we got uh, Craig Smith to Boston, uh, three years, nine point three million. I mean, again, this is a, another one that I don't really don't have too much to say on. Honestly, it's just it's a it's a decent signing, a pretty low low risk, low cost. So I mean, it's probably a smart move for Boston. Yeah, it's a depth signing. That's a Craig Smith, a guy that'll show yeah. up, get you twenty goals a, a year. And Craig Smith is the most generic name in human history. Yeah. So <laughs> it's it's kind of like you you don't really think about him, but he's obviously worth 3.1 million dollars uh, per season to the boston bruins yeah. so uh yeah it's it's just a, a depth signing there but a, a pretty significant one tyson berry man uh are you happy as a canucks fan to see him go to edmonton for just one year at 3.75 oh i'm stoked 
I was so worried he was going to come to the Canucks. Just like talking about Stetcher not needing these undersized guys doing the same thing. The Toronto getting a, a TJ Brody does the same thing as uh, as other players there. Tyson Berry would have been so redundant for the Canucks. Um, you know, it's it's a neat contract for him. The fact that he signed a one year three point seven five million dollar deal that's absolutely a prove yeah. it contract. He thinks he's worth six or seven still. I'm sure. So he's going to rack up 80 points with McDavid and dry settle in the power play. And then he's going to go to market again and just absolutely clean house. So I think it's a good, good kind of bet on yourself move. And I, I kind of have the feeling that even if, uh, if Vancouver gave him the same offer, he probably still would have gone to Edmonton because he's not going to be in Hughes' shadow there. Yeah. And I mean, with Toronto, he wasn't the first part of the season with Toronto. He did not look good. And that was mainly because of, uh, Babcock. Babcock's, uh, you know, putting him in, in situations he wasn't really that great in. So yeah. you're right. I, I think it's it's equal parts. Teams were maybe a little bit hesitant to offer him big money because of the season he had, and equal part him saying, "Hey, give me one year. I'll show you. I'll get on the power play with those guys. I'll quarterback that number one power play unit, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, yeah, I, I could see him putting up fifty, sixty points easy from the blue line oh, yeah. in Edmonton. So check back in a year, man, because Jet Black Jim, he's oh. gonna be." <laughs> Fuck, nine million a year. For oh, yeah, Tyson BC Barry. BC boy, local guy. Oh <laughs> yeah. yeah, we know. Yeah, that's why Vertanen gets a million chances on the Canucks. But that that went real real quick. That Edmonton power play was first all year, right? They were like running like twenty nine percent for most of the year, which is just insane. Yeah. So I mean, it can very even make it much better. Like, what? Or is he going to mess up their mojo? Like, that's a running a thirty percent power play is pretty unheard of. So I mean, who do they have that's a right a right shot defenseman? Right, Adam Larson, but he's not really a power play no. quarterback like Tyson Berry. Yeah, it so. must have been Clefbaum they had up there, right? Clefbaum was up there. Yeah, I mean Clefbaum, and then they had I don't know if they ran with four forwards. I think James Neal was kind of in the bumper spot, and then they had Nugent Hopkins with uh, McDavid and Drysaddle yeah. and David, yeah, I think. Yeah. Right, so. Yeah, I think this is just, I mean, the nice thing about these these right-shot D-men in Washington, for instance, John Carlson is able to, uh, you know, I mean, he just, that that cross-body pass and everything. I don't think there's a right-hand shot that's uh, on Edmonton that's as lethal as a, an Ovechkin or a Pasternak. But, you know, if you have a guy that's a right-shot D-man that can even set up for a one-timer, mm-hmm. right? I mean, who knows? Um, it'll be interesting to see how Edmonton does, but... This is a, you know, they're losing Clefbaum. It sounds like he's got arthritis and, and his career is in question. And so bringing in Barry for one year isn't uh, an overly huge gamble. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. All right, and just in our final little bit of news here, and just in a, we kind of this is a theme that we've had today with a, another player that you really never expected to see in another jersey, right? So we got Miku Koivu going to Columbus, and that's going to be weird. I think that's probably one of the weirder ones anyway for a, one year at $1.5 million. Obviously, he thinks he can still play, and uh, good for Columbus for picking up a real kind of heart and soul player. But, yeah, it's going to be bizarre for, for Minnesota fans to see that the first time he comes through. Yeah, yeah, this one. Uh, I thought Koivu would actually re- retire and just go back to yeah. Finland. But he wants to play, like you said. And Jarmo Kekalainen, there's a Finnish connection there to probably get him in there. And, you know, uh, shores up the center depth a little bit. That way Pierre-Luc Dubois can continue to develop. And then... Um, I was reading something that apparently Koivu, he's a, he's a pretty good penalty killer. So that removes like Cam Atkinson from the PK because mm-hmm. apparently Atkinson was, I mean, Atkinson's a former 40 goal guy, but if you can just take him off the penalty kill a little bit, uh, should be good. And, and Koivu is a guy that I think will play half decent under Torts too. I mean, he kind of plays that type of a style that Torts loves. So yeah. 
I uh, I think it's but you're right it's it's going to be weird to see when the season does start up again to see Miko Koivu in a, a navy jersey instead of the the Minnesota green. All right. Anything else you want to touch on? Just that once we get news of Taylor Hall and Alex Petrangelo's deals, we'll we'll be sure to plug it in for uh, uh, if not this episode, then the next one we have, which is going to have a very special guest. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we'll we'll make sure we we stay up to date. If we need to do a little a uh, little bit of news at the front of an interview, I think there's uh, no problem for that, and it it makes everybody happy to stay current. So that's going to do it for us, though. Thanks to everybody for listening. For Ryan and Brandon, we'll catch you next time on the Hockey Minute. We'd like to take a second to thank you, the listener, for joining us. And a big thanks goes to our writers and production team, Jules, Mark, and Matt. We couldn't do this without you. Make sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, at The Hockey Minute, as well as leaving voicemails on our anchor page, at Hockey Minute. And always make sure to subscribe to whichever platform you listen to your podcast. That's going to do it for us. This is Brandon and Ryan. We'll talk to you next time on The Hockey Minute. Um, we'll have to cut this part, but just while I'm thinking of it, well, but they call this, this big heavy guy who just, all he does is eat all day. He, they call him eater shitter. <laughs> like that's his, <laughs> it's like what? All right. Sorry. Back to the show. But man, that just, that kills me.